welcome to the Solutions Oriented Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Rick Goodman, international leadership expert and author of the book, The Solutions Oriented Leader, your comprehensive guide to achieve world-class results. Each week, we'll be bringing you inspiring leaders and messages to help you develop your solutions-oriented mindset for success. So if you're ready to become part of the solutions revolution, let's get started right now. Hi, this is Dr. Rick Goodman, and welcome to another edition of the Solutions Oriented Leader Podcast. Today, I have a special guest as I'm driving through St. Louis, Missouri. I had the chance to stop in on Duran Fitness, home of Daryl Duran, who was one of the most amazing indoor soccer players I've ever seen. His 827 games are the most of any player in American professional indoor soccer history. And not only that, he played for the St. Louis Ambush, the St. Louis Steamers. He was an all-star game MVP in 1997, and he happens to be in the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, my good friend Daryl Duran on what it takes to be a champion and what it takes to be a solutions-oriented leader. Uh, Daryl, I asked you the other day, you know, who were the greatest influences on your career, and you told me your two older brothers, how did they influence you? Well, growing up, I mean, you know, I started kicking a soccer ball probably like most people when I was four or five years old. Um, my older brother Dan's three years older than me, and I have an older brother Don who's nine years older than me. Uh, they were heavy into soccer, obviously, so, you know, I, all, I also played baseball, so I played uh, baseball, soccer, was, was all right in both of them, but... I really credit, I think in fifth grade is when I turned straight to soccer and started playing that 12 months out of the year. Um, and times have changed, I mean, if you compare it to nowadays. But uh, back then, everybody played all different sports and didn't put a whole focus of a whole year into one sport. Uh, so I started doing that in fifth grade. But uh, I really think growing up with my two older brothers, who, as I mentioned, were three and nine years older than me at a very young age, kind of built me, number one, physically up quick. Uh, my skill level had to be better because they were bigger, stronger, faster. And we would always play in our side yards. I mean, if, if you look around nowadays, it's tough to find kids out in the backyard playing exactly. soccer. And, and that's what I mean by times have changed. And, uh, you know, playing against all their friends, uh, you know, I was getting heck beat out of me for many years. Um, and then I followed my, my brother's career. I mean, we all went to CBC High School. Um, I was fortunate enough to make the team as a freshman and play with my older brother, Dan who was a senior, um, but I knew right away that, you know, physically it was very demanding and I had the skill level, but I really needed to get stronger and faster. What made um, you choose soccer? Uh, I just had a talent. I mean, there was, uh, I mean, I, I could have played baseball, well, back then in fifth grade, I don't know how high I, or far I could have went, but my dad was actually a baseball player, so uh, I, I didn't really want to quit baseball, but uh, a couple coaches saw me and, and approached my parents and said he, he might have a little future in there if he can get him away from baseball and come with me and play 12 months out of the year you know we'll see what happens and that's basically what i did so it turned out pretty good that yeah, turned out all right uh you know but you know then practicing from from my middle age uh schooling with with my older brother danny especially then um, and playing against guys that are three four years older than me i think really developed me in high school uh, when i hit high school i really hit the weights hard you know kids back then I mean, weren't lifting weights and weren't doing a lot of it like now. It's almost mandatory to be doing sure. it. Uh, but back when I was growing up, uh, I was one of, the, one of the few that probably hit the weights a little earlier uh, just because of my brother. Uh, and playing against that competition, uh, that's where I was lacking. So, so during my high school years, that really helped me. 
Uh, I got You've obviously applied it to your business here at Duran Fitness. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, I, I train teams in here, uh, mainly soccer teams, but we do baseball. We do all kinds of different stuff in the back room back there. A lot of speed and agility. I mean, we never did that when I was little. Uh, you know, quicken your feet up, things like that. I wish I would have. Um, so now, now it's just, I mean, it's almost like if, if you're going to be, uh, if you're really going to be thinking about a professional sport, you really need to get in at a young age and start doing this stuff. Sure. Uh, uh, but I lifted my whole life, uh, even throughout my years playing indoor, especially indoor. Uh, there's, it's a lot more physical contact than what people think. Out, outdoor is a little bit different. It is physical, but not as much as indoor. Um, so that helped me throughout my careers, and that's why I do credit my 800 and whatever games it is uh, because of the physical. I mean, I had my fair share of injuries, uh, and I think uh, my, my hard rehab, I think what people don't do nowadays, they get hurt, and they don't really put the effort in the rehab. I mean, the rehab's the hardest part of your injury, really, sure. and it should be, uh, to get you back quicker, uh, to build the muscles up. And, you know, I just credit that's probably one of the big reasons why I, I opened this when I retired in 06. Um, and I just think I credited my longevity of my career with, with lifting weights sure. and doing and it the right way. What was the best way. advice you ever got as a, an athlete or, or a coach? Well, I mean, I always grew up, uh, basically I go through a bunch of my coaches. Uh, Terry Mickler, CBC High School coach, uh, he always pushed and pushed and pushed and got the most out of us all the time. Uh, when I got to the pros, Pat McBride was a big influence on me. Uh, he was more of a player's coach. Uh, kind of left it up to you, but he pushed you in the right direction, put you in the right role. And how did he motivate you? He motivated me just by, by a lot of positive stuff. I mean, he's, he wasn't one of the negative things. Uh, after games, he would always take 10 minutes, go in the room, and then come out and talk because he would be so upset if we lost. Uh, but he would come back and keep everything positive. I've had other coaches that were kind of negative. So when I took over coaching in 92, 93, uh, I kind of combined a lot of coaches that that I really admired and that I were influenced by, and that was Pat McBride was one of the big ones. Altros was an early one. I didn't, I wasn't coached that long under Altros. Uh, Pat McBride, Dave Clemens was another coach, uh, and then uh, you know Tony Glavin also was another coach. So uh, indoor, that was what I tried to do, and, and what I had a problem was, or my first initial problem was, I was still playing. Um, so now I had issues with players that I was playing with, you know, and I'm on the field and I have to yell at them and then I'm out there making mistakes. Sure. But it took me about, I'd say, two, three months uh, to kind of figure that out that, you know, I still got to coach the way I'm supposed to coach, whether I make mistakes or not. Uh, I think the players understood that uh, and, and it worked out well. I mean, I almost feel more comfortable out on the field than I do behind the bench. So, so as a coach and a player, you took your philosophy from many different coaches that affected you along the way and made it your own type of coaching style. Exactly. And, you know, when, when I push people, when I uh, yell at them at practice, when I make them do runs, I was doing all the runs with them. Um, I wanted to do it on the field to maybe show them the, the leadership that I could on the field and off the field. So I, I really used the coaching uh, to really help my, my play in a way. And that says a lot about a leader because, you know, so many leaders get up and tell people what to do but aren't willing to get in there right. and do it with them. And you showed them, and that causes people to follow you, doesn't it? Right. And and, and like I said, there's games that I had to have a, a bad game, and I would take myself out in certain situations. Uh, but then there's some games where I'd, I'd put myself on the search, certain situations. And, and I think, you know, we, we built a team when I first took over. It took us three years. Uh, filling in the spots that we needed to win a championship 
and actually right now we started the ambush a year ago. Uh, we took a whooping in the league. It was our first year. We haven't been around in five years. So uh, this year we, uh, we're right now signing players to fill in those spots. And, and my goal is two years from now to win the championship. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about goals. You know, how, how do you set your goals? Because obviously it's one of the most important things that any professional athlete, coach, manager has to do. Well, I mean, two years ago, there we've been trying to get number one, a team here personally. Um, and, I mean, Brian Ross in our office, uh, we know we have the fan base here. Uh, it took us four years just to find somebody, and now we got it. Uh, and once we got a field play, we actually last year we led the league in attendance for a first-year team. I don't think that's ever been done in the MISL. Um, so now we got to do it on the field. So, I mean, our main goal, obviously, is to make sure we win. Uh, and, you know, three, four years, I don't want to wait that long. I mean, I gave ourselves three years to win a championship. Uh, we started practice a month and a half ago, and the official starting date isn't until October 6th. So uh, this is going to be a big year for us. But uh, I think the main thing is, number one, to make sure we make the playoffs. We didn't make the playoffs last year. And the next year after that is when I want to win it. So we joined a league, so now we went from eight teams to, or seven teams to 24 teams. So it's going to make it harder. Uh, but I'm still putting that three-year ban on myself to What's make sure. What's the first thing that you look for when you're building that team? And the players and the players that out. players that want to put the time and the effort in and that do 100% on the field and that listen. I mean, uh, you know, you run into kids nowadays. It's tough. I mean, it, it wasn't. I was a type blue-collar type kid that did the work and, and got the reward. And you know, now nowadays I think a lot of kids think it comes easy, uh, and it doesn't. You really, you have to knuckle down. You have to give the 110% and. And that's what we're doing by starting two months early. Uh, you know, these guys started it on their own, um, brought it up to me, and I said, well, let's start doing it. So, I mean, we're, we're already in high gear. So you'd say one of the main words of building that team would be sacrifice. Oh, yeah, especially nowadays, you know, soccer uh, indoor, it's gone through its, its wave of leagues, and, you know, the salaries for the players isn't as big as it used to be. Um, and starting a new team, I think all the players understand that we got to build the franchise, make sure we get the fan base, and, and sacrifice some salaries for a little while. And you had said that your greatest accomplishment as an athlete uh, was winning the championship in 94-95, and it was so difficult. What, what was so difficult? What do you think people don't really understand about how hard it is to achieve that level of expertise? Well, I mean, I, I can even go back, even when we won it, um, you know, we – we probably played harder teams getting there to the finals when we played Harrisburg. Um, but we went, we beat Kansas City, which was in seven games, and then we went and played Harrisburg, and we swept them. But that last game, we were losing um, like 9 nothing at halftime. Uh, and we came back, or 11-2 at halftime, actually. Came back and won it right there. Uh, and Abe Watma, who was the owner, brought it up to me saying, hey, at halftime, you know, it's all right. We can win it back at home. And I'm like, we have the opportunity. We need to do it now. We can't wait. You know, it'd be great to win it at home, but we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but we went back out there, made a couple switches at halftime, and we, we, we ended up winning by four or five points. So um, we won it there, and two days later when we were supposed to play, I would have had four of my starters out. They were all sick. So who knows what would have happened. Uh, but you need a little luck also to win a championship. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, but it was hard work that we did. And uh, making the right moves, I think, with the personnel is key. But we had everybody on the same page that 
you know, this was our opportunity to win it, and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next year, and we never got back there. Sure. Well, luck is always when preparation meets opportunity. You guys were obviously prepared in the right place. We let it happen. Right. What would you say is the key lesson you've learned in your sports career? Obviously, you know, you've worked with many teams. You've worked with many individuals of different talents, different personalities. Well, I mean, to me, keep things simple. I think uh, there's a lot of coaches out there, I think, that, that try and make things about them, number one, and really it's not. I mean, I, I never made my coaching about me. Uh, I try and keep it simple for players. I mean, they're out there busting their butt. You got to make split decisions quick, especially in the game of indoor soccer. Uh, but you got to keep things simple for everybody. And, and when players can go out there and focus 100% on their physical capability and know where to go with the ball, just keep it simple. And when you get in the offensive third, you know, that's where you can be a little creative. Uh, but as far as defense goes, as far as a uh, defensive third, you got to be hard and simple and, and make sure you don't make any mistakes. Uh, I think mistakes, obviously, indoor are a big factor. Uh, you can have a transition goal within two, three seconds if you give the ball up in the defensive half. So we keep it simple out of the back. Uh, we get a ball up in the, in the front, and that's where I want our, our creative players to be creative uh, and try and score. But I think keeping things simple is, is our main focus in coaching, and, at least for me. You've been so successful in applying the lessons that you learned in your sports career, uh, not only into your life and with yourself, you walk your talk, but with your family. How do you kind of relate to your family? Because I know your family is in the business with you also, and you've done an outstanding job raising them. So tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, my wife's a big part of this. We started this right afterwards. She's a nurse, so, you know, we she took six months off, got the gym going. Uh, in the meantime, during it, I think it was good timing for my kids. Uh, they were both playing soccer. I was coaching them, but got them into high school and college, and, and they started lifting right away. Uh, my son right now is in college, doing really well, and uh, he's, he's in here more than I am almost in the off season. So uh, I think it was good timing that when we put this for my family, uh, my kids grew up similar to me. My son's a very good soccer player. My daughter's a good soccer player. Now she's going to be a nurse. So. Uh, you know, they, they know what hard work is. They, you know, I'm here almost 24-7, seven days a week, um, and I'm, I'm working here just as hard as I did coaching. So now i got to do both. Uh, so now I get up, I train at 5, go train the ambush, come back here at 7.38, and then uh, start working again till 7, 8, 9 at night. Um, but that's the way it's got to be for right now. Uh, but I love it. I mean, it's two things that I, I grew up doing. I, I always lifted, or didn't always lift. I started lifting in my late teens, and um, you know, uh, I, I credit my career for lifting. And now I got a business doing it. So, and I love the game of soccer. So right now, I'm doing two things I love. And I probably wouldn't. I'd be doing it no matter what. So you just said the key things. You know, when we do what we love to do and we have fun doing it, we end up making money. Yeah. But if we look to make money and do it, it's just it's not the same. It never happens. So you. I think you put the put extra effort in. The bottle. Right. I mean, I, I think when you love something, you put a little extra effort into it instead of just having to do it. Um, so it's working out for me, knock on wood, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep it up. I mean, I, it keeps me thinking, keeps me fit, and keeps me waking up every morning and ready to go. And if there's a motto you want to share with everybody, what would that be? How do you well, it's kind of the motto here, work hard and perform better. I mean, uh, that's kind of my motto of life. Uh, coaching uh, was always with the players. we got to work our butt off, and uh, things will happen, we'll perform better, and, and nothing but good things will come out of it. Outstanding. Well, Daryl, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. You've done an amazing job with the team, with your family, with your business, and with your life. And it's just a pleasure to call you my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Good seeing you. To learn more about solutions-oriented leadership, 
please visit our website at rickgoodman.com or feel free to email me at info at rickgoodman.com and please subscribe to the Solutions Oriented Leader on iTunes or your favorite podcast app to get your weekly episodes automatically.